This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. They had been on David's heart to build a huge temple for God, a huge dwelling place for the presence of God to be. But God denied him that desire. He said, because you have been a man of war. And that's who David has been from the very beginning. David was a killer. David was a warrior. David, man, he was an amazing soldier. That's that's what launched him into into his career as a king was killing and slaying Goliath, this giant that thousands of people of trained soldiers were scared of and were, were, um, were just way too scared to confront him. And David, as a young teenager, 14, 15 years old, maybe at the most, shows up with nothing but a sling and a stone and he kills this giant. And throughout his lifetime, he has killed thousands of people. He was just been a, a man of war. And so God denies him this desire to build a temple for him. And God says, no, it needs to be from, built by man, in peace by a man of peace. And he wasn't condemning David because what David did needed to be done. Goliath needed to be killed. He needed to be slayed. He wasn't condemning David. He was just saying, that is not your part in the kingdom. And so here we are. First Chronicles chapter 22, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. And David now, again, nearing the end of his life, God has promised him that he's not going to be the one that builds the, the temple, but his son Solomon will. So First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 1. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God and David prepared I want you guys to highlight that prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and bronze in abundance beyond measure and cedar trees in abundance for the Sidians uh, and those from Tyre from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David now David said This is where I want us to begin to pay attention here. Verse 5. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. I want you guys to highlight that. I will now make preparation for it. For it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. The very first thing that I want us to pay attention to and to point out here in this story is to set your children up for success. I think we need to learn and understand that we're not raising children. Your children will not stay children forever, but we're raising men and women, right? On Mother's Day, I I share with you how this woman spoke to the king in David. That's who we're raising. We're raising men and women, kings and queens, people that hopefully will extend and build the kingdom of God. And so David understands where his son Solomon is, and he understands this is going to overwhelm him if I don't prepare for him. 
This is going to be too great of a task for him. And the kingdom or the, uh, the temple of God should be great and should be seen among all the nations and should be the greatest. But my son is inexperienced. He doesn't know. So I am going to prepare for him. You see, as fathers and as parents, we need to learn to not set, I, I think so many, so oftentimes we set our children up for failure whenever we don't allow them or whenever we don't prepare them properly or whenever we don't allow them to make decisions on their own. You know, they say that this generation, our, us as parents, they call us the helicopter parents. The reason they call us the helicopter parents is because we hover over our children and we make every choice for them. And we tell them they're going to this practice and they're going to this game and they're going to be a part of this event and they're going to be a part of this program and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And so children don't have, they, they don't make any decisions. They don't make choices for themselves. They call us the helicopter parents. Do you guys know that? That's what they call us. And what they're saying about our children that are being raised this way, they're saying that once they grow up and once they're adults, they will not be able to make any choices because they never had to make any for themselves. Does that make any sense? So that's what they call us. They call us the helicopter parents. Let's make sure that we're setting up our children for success. This is what David's doing. He understands where his son Solomon is. He understands how his mind thinks. And he says, I am going to make sure that I prepare and that I set my son up for success. Let's continue reading verse 6. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. David charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. A father's first priority for their children, for our children, should be their relationship with God and to fulfill their God-given purpose. You see, David had already had a conversation with God beforehand, and God told David, your son will be the one who builds this temple. David already knew and already understand the purpose or part of the purpose of Solomon's life. And so David charges him. He understands the most important thing that I can do is, one, have a line of communication with God to where I understand where my children belong in this world. And I understand what their purpose is in this world. And the second is to make sure that I prepare them and that I set them up to be able to fulfill their God-given purpose. So David sets Solomon aside and he charges him. He tells him, listen, son, this is what you were born for. This is who you are going to be. This is who you are supposed to be. And David's not speaking to an adult man, but David is speaking to a child. And he's telling him from a young age who he's going to be, what he's going to do, what God's given purpose is in his life. 
as a father, as parents, the most important thing that we need to do for our children, our first priority for our children above everything else, above any sport, above any activity, above anything else should be their relationship with God. We need to make sure that we are nurturing that, that we are taking care of that, that we are putting them in environments where they can flourish in their relationship with God. And second, we need to make sure that they are fulfilling their God-given purpose. If we miss those two things as parents, then we missed everything. If we raise our children and they never learn to have a relationship with God, then we fail as parents. We do. You see, when God gave you your children, when he gave you your child, He's letting you borrow. He is trusting you, I should say. He is trusting you with his child. And he's trusting that you'll make the right choices. He's placing them in your hands to teach them, to follow him and to love him and to serve him and to worship him. And if we miss this, then it doesn't matter what else we get right. Our first priority as parents should be to nurture, to take care of their relationship with God. Make sure we put them in an environment where that can grow and that can flourish. And the second is to make sure we help them fulfill their God-given purpose. Let's continue reading. Verse 7. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around his name shall be Solomon for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days he shall be he shall build a house for my name and he shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever a father's relationship with God will impact their children's relationship with God David understands before Solomon, again, Solomon is a young child, but David already understands who he is going to be as a man. God has already revealed to David two things. One, that he's going to build the temple of God. And two, that he's going to prosper and he's going to have, he's going to have peace during his reign. That's why he's going to be able to build the house of God. But it's because of David's relationship with God that he was able to understand these things and then teach them to Solomon. David's relationship with God impacted Solomon's relationship with God. God says towards the end of of the scripture, he says that I will be his father. I will be with him is what God's saying about Solomon. You see, your relationship with God, however great or however small, impacts your children's relationships with God. I've been in church my entire life, 31 years I've been in church. I've been doing ministry, 
now for about 14 years. And I have seen, and listen to me, I have seen with my eyes over and over and over youth coming through through our doors, feel God, have encounters with God, worship God, and as soon as they hit 17, 18 years old, they step out and never walk back in. And it's not because they didn't have a real encounter with God. It's because they didn't see it in their parents. And their parents' relationship with God impacted their relationship with God. Over the last 14 years, I can count on one hand the amount of teenagers that have stayed in church, that still worship God, that still follow God, whom their parents did not. And throughout the last 14 years, we have had hundreds come through our doors. Literally, hundreds come through our doors. And it's not because we're not doing a good job here. I I believe we do a fantastic job. I believe our leaders and and worship and, and all of our teams, I believe we do an incredible job. But it's because a child's, their parents' relationship with God, a child's parents' relationship with God impacts their relationship with God. You see, your children are going to value what you value. It's just the way it is. I value what I value because of what I saw in my parents. I value the church. I value ministry. And I give and I do and and I work and I sacrifice all that I do, not just because it's like some warm, fuzzy feeling, but it's because I value it. And it's because I saw my parents value it. And there are other things that I value. One one thing that I value a whole lot is hunting. And I absolutely love it because I have great memories with my father and with my uncles and with my grandfather doing some hunting. So I value that time. And I look forward to the day when, and I'm already hoping to be able to take Zion this year. We probably won't see anything. Because you guys know Zion. I mean, we might see one driving down the road, right? But we won't see anything in the stand. But I'm so looking forward to that. Because my dad, to this day, still makes fun of me for the very first time he took me hunting. And I absolutely love it. I value it. And your children, you as parents, your children are going to value what you value. Whatever it is that you give to, whatever it is that you sacrifice for, whatever it is that you work so hard for, your children are going to value that. So your relationship with God, no matter how great, no matter how small, impacts your children's relationship with God. If they see you value your relationship with God, they're going to value their relationship with God. If they see you pray, they're going to pray. If they see you worship, they're going to worship. If they see you reading your Bible, they're going to read their Bible. If they hear you speak words of wisdom through the Bible... They're going to do the same thing. Do you remember that embarrassing moment whenever your oldest repeated something that you said that you didn't intend for them to repeat? You see, they're going to say and they're going to walk and they're going to do what you do. Your relationship with God is going to impact 
your children's relationship with God. Verse 11 through 13, I love these parts, man. Now, my son, David speaking to Solomon, now, my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper. Let's pay attention to that. Now, my son, highlight this, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper. And build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Verse 13. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. The very first sentence of verse 11. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper. Let's teach our children just as David is teaching Solomon at such a young age. Let's teach our children that walking with God is so much more important than success. Walking with God, aligning our lives with God, speaking how God wants us to speak, walking how God wants us to walk, acting the way that God wants us to act, our obedience to God, walking hand in hand with God, is more important than any amount of success. Let's teach our children that. Let's teach our children that it's more important to be obedient to God than it is to have success. If I'm going to win, but it means that I have to cheat and I have to lie and I have to be disobedient to God, then it's more, it's better to be obedient to God and lose a game than it is to win the game, but be disobedient to God. If to get the job, I have to lie and I have to maybe slander someone else and I have to throw somebody else underneath the bus, it's better to not get the job but to be obedient to God than it is to be disobedient to God but get the job. Walking with God is more important than success. You with me? That's what David's trying to teach his son. He says, may the Lord be with you and you prosper. Prosper, success is secondary to God being with us. So let's, let's teach our children this. Let's teach our children the value of honesty. Let's teach our children the, the value of just Doing what is right. Doesn't matter what the outcome, doesn't matter what it makes us look like, doesn't matter how it may make us lose. Let's just be honest and let's be obedient to God and let's walk with God and just trust. Let's just trust that God is in in control. You know what it says about me? Whenever I lie and whenever I cheat and whenever I steal to get the job, to get the promotion, to get the, 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 uh, to make more money, you know what that says about me? That says, God, you're, I, I don't believe that you're big enough to give me what I need, so I have to sin and be disobedient to you in order to provide for myself. 
Now, would you all agree that God is more than big enough to provide for me? He knows what I need even before I know what I need. And he's always been big enough to provide for me. But whenever I steal and lie and cheat in order to provide for myself and for my family, I'm saying, God, you're not big enough, so you forced me to be disobedient to you. Let's teach our children that walking with God is more important than success. Verses 14 through 16. As soon as I find it. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant. I prepared timber and sown also, and you may add to them. Moreover, moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stone cutters, and all types of skillful men for, for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. David here in these scriptures is telling Solomon about all of the preparation, everything that he has given, all of the sacrifices that he has given and done so that he would succeed and so that he would fulfill his God-given purpose. There is no sacrifice, and I want us to understand this right here. I really wish you guys would just circle this one. I think this is the very best part of this message. There is no sacrifice too great if it means our children will follow Jesus. There is no sacrifice too great if it means that our children will follow Jesus. You see, the ultimate example of this would be the example of God giving his son. And he understood that he would have to give up his son and and. Jesus understood himself that he would have to be born as a baby. And man, Jesus had to be potty trained. For real. Jesus had to be potty trained and he had to be burped. And he spit up all over the place just like Adeline does. We used to have gray carpet at the house. Now it's white. Just white spots everywhere, man. Jesus understood he was going to have to put himself through this and not only be, as, be humbled and be a child and grow and learn and do all of these things that children have to do, but then he also understood that all of that would lead him to the cross and, and the abuse and the beating. But he understood there is no sacrifice too great if it means my children come to God. And so this isn't just some idea that God is throwing in the Old Testament, but this is an idea that God himself followed through with. And he understood there's no sacrifice too great if it means that children, our children, get to come to him. And so you in your life, whatever it looks like, and I, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know what it, what it looks like. Maybe it means working just a little bit less if it means that you can be at church with your family. Maybe it means giving up a habit that you've been hanging on to for a very, very, very long time that you just feel like you can't get rid of, but you. But if you sacrifice that, that just might mean that your children grow closer to Jesus. And there's no sacrifice too great if it means that your children follow Jesus. Years ago, about 40 years ago, there was a pastor. And uh, 
he had a large church in a, in a city here in the United States. There's about 2,000 members in the church. And uh, great, growing church. But his son, he had one son, but his son was, was beginning to rebel. As the mistake that many pastors do is they dedicate, you know, they, 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 they don't learn to separate um, ministry from church or, or, or not ministry, but, but the, their relationship with God with church. And uh, so this pastor was just consumed by the church and by ministry, and, and uh, it was affecting his son, and his son was beginning to rebel and, 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 and just not following Jesus, not following God, and, and was beginning to um, really be, um, really just have a... Uh, What's, what's the word that I'm looking for? Basically, he, he began to hate the church, began to hate God because of the amount of time that his father was spending in the church. And so this man decided that he was going to retire. He quit. At a young age, he was only about 40-something years old, and he quit. He retired from being pastor, went and got a job, moved away from that city, and uh, dedicated his life to being with his family. And that son, that boy, grew up to be an incredible pastor who at, 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 at a time was pastoring the largest church in the United States. I don't know if it still is. But at a, at a point in time was pastoring the largest church in the United States. And it's, and it's because we have to understand that there's no sacrifice too great. Some people would think that that's too much of a sacrifice to give up his calling and his, what you may feel like is his purpose in life, his ministry, to raise his son. But the truth is he had a greater impact on the, on the world by doing so. There's no, there's no sacrifice too great if it means your children follow, will follow Jesus. Verse 17, David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, Saying, is not the Lord your God with you? And has, he, and has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Surround your children with wise people who will encourage and draw out their God-given purpose. It's what David is doing with Solomon is he brings the wise leaders, the best leaders in the nation and he puts them and he surrounds them around Solomon and he pours, he makes them pour into Solomon. You see, your friends and the relationships that you have as a parent and as a father, they impact your children. I think we can all understand this. We can all see this. So let's make sure that the people that we have our children around aren't discouraging their God-given purpose, aren't neglecting and aren't um, shutting it out and aren't maybe mocking them and making fun of them, but let's make sure that they are encouraging it. Let's make sure that they are drawing it out of them. You guys with me? Thank all two of you, two of you. Verse 18, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Let's learn as parents 
There are a few, there are a few things that I'm seeing in Zion that, that I have made a promise to him that I'm going to do my best to protect it. You know, Zion has a great heart. We have this little baby monitor, and, and when Adeline's napping in her room, we keep it in the kitchen, and uh, Adeline starts crying, and we hear it in the baby monitor, and then Zion just starts, oh, he starts crying. What's wrong, Zion? Sad. Why are you sad, Zion? Sister, cry. Man, that, I just about broke down and started crying with them. I just knelt down, and I hugged them. And I just, I just told him, Zion, you have such a good heart. You have so much love for your sister and for people. I promise you, I will do my best to protect your heart. See, verse 19 is all about protecting the hearts and the souls of our children. You see, a way that we protect our children's heart is this. Is a couple of ways. One, we don't talk bad about people in front of them. You understand that affects their hearts? That affects their opinion? You mold their opinions. If you talk about me in front of your children and you say, EJ is the dumbest dude ever to walk this earth, promise you they're not going to think very much about me. They're just not going to. If you say EJ doesn't know what he's talking about in front of them, they will never listen to me. I will never be able to reach them because you mold their opinion about me. Let's learn to protect our children's hearts and souls. Let's not, not, let's not talk bad about people in front of them. Let's not talk bad about our work and our job in front of them. Let's not gossip. Let's not slander in front of them because everything that we say, that affects their hearts. If you don't learn anything else today and if you don't take anything else home today, let's remember that there is no sacrifice too great if it means that our children will follow Jesus. Please visit theremodelchurch.com.